Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden, and today I am joined by my good friend, Kira. Kira, how are you doing? So great. You know, I love talking to you. Yeah, that sounded very sarcastic. I don't know if that was intentional, <laughs> if that was intentional or not. Um, I know you're super excited to be podcasting at 8 a.m. Is this not normally your vibe? Well, yeah, actually, when we planned this, I'm super happy to be here and I was really excited about it. So don't get it twisted. <laughs> but I tried out this thing called boundaries. And uh -huh, on Wednesdays, uh -huh. I go to my full time job. So I found that my mental health is so much better if I don't try to do both my entrepreneurial brain and my full time job managing a team of managers and directors in person. But this kind of crosses over into both. So I feel like the context switch will be okay, but you're the only person I would do this for. <laughs> okay, great, great. That's what I like to hear. All right. So we are talking about, okay, we're talking about the people leader archetype today. But before we get into that, Kira, you've been on the podcast before. So some of the folks that listen may know what you do and what you're all about, but tell the people what your company is and what you do. Yeah. So, well, Paradigm is a people operations or HR consulting company where we help small business owners, primarily entrepreneurs, uh, build out their compliance basics for their team. So meeting all the standards of compliance for hiring employees, uh, maintaining a combined hybrid team of contractors and employees legally in all 50 states. And we also help people build out their growth plans and their people manage management strategies. So your job descriptions, KPIs, hiring strategies, all of that. Um, and it's the best and we're great at it. And we're the best at it. <laughs> Love that. You should do a little hair flip at the end of that. Well, I mean, I did just get a new wand. <laughs> yeah. So you got the hair, you got the hair for it. Okay, great. Um, we'll clip that. We're going to clip that and make that the, like the Instagram promo for this episode, the real. Yeah. <laughs> so we're the best insert hair flip. Okay. great. So, um, where were we when I took this quiz the other day where we, we were just on a zoom call, weren't we? Yeah. I think we were in our mastermind, but it was just us two. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We were in our two person mastermind on our zoom call and Kira's like, oh my God, I made this new quiz. Um, I'm going to bully you into taking it. And I was like, great. So I did. Um, I'm just kidding. After you said that I bullied you into doing this uh, 8 a.m. recording. I love a good quiz. So I took the quiz and I was like, this is so fun. We got to share it on the podcast. So it's called, what's it called? The People Leader Archetype, right? Yeah, we're keeping it simple. You discover your People Leader Archetype. That's okay, it. great. So <laughs> we are going to put the link to this. So it is a, an affiliate link. We're going to put the affiliate link to this in my show notes. So you all need to scroll down and look at the show notes. If you would like to go take the quiz, which you should, it's really fun. Um, Kira, tell people like why this quiz? What's the purpose? Why should people take it? Yeah. So over the last few years, we've helped almost 70 businesses build out their HR compliance and growth plan. And we have some other offerings that feed right out of that, like our membership and things like that. But one thing that I've noticed is that 
it's hard for me to coach or consult on management without really getting to the nitty gritty of the foundation of who someone is. So throughout my career, I started taking leadership and management really seriously 13, almost 14 years ago now. And in that process, I, we used assessments and I've managed over, I think now it's over 700 people over the last 10 years in small business. I also manage people in corporate. Um, I was a lead on a team that my boyfriend, who's now my husband's older brother by five years was one of my team members where I had to lead him. Um, so I had all these different weird experiences and I never could get any real advice because I felt like it was so outdated. It was for the old white man. It was cold. It was mean. It was just trying to tell you to just like show up and check things off a list. And like, if people don't like it, then screw them. And I just didn't find that that was working. And so I wanted to create a language that we could speak that was some organizational psychology, some things that I learned in my grad program, as well as through my actual experiences to design these archetypes so that I could get to the nitty gritty of a person's personality and their values as a leader of their team. So that's what we did. And we were able to boil it down to, I thought it, it started really long as most things do um, with like 10 different archetypes and a hundred different questions. And then we were able to kind of boil it down to seven really poignant questions. Um, and if you want to know more about the psychology behind it, I have a podcast episode that came out um, yesterday. So it's episode, I think 20, and I can share that with you guys here too. Um, but and yeah, that's where, where it came from. It's called what? It's called on the up and up. So it's on the up and up because we're growing and we are developing and we're on the up and up, but we're also legally legit and we're not fucking around with being on the up and up on the <laughs> right side of things. Okay, great. We'll link that. We'll link that as well. So essentially the quiz is going to tell you like what your management style is, right? A little bit of that, but I don't want to boil it down to that because it's not just about the way that you manage because that can adjust and change over time, but it's more about the personality or the persona that you're bringing to work every day. So it's it's kind of the underlayer of the style and more of what's driving it. Okay. 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 Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. So we're going to run through the like possible quiz results, right? Yeah. I okay. think that'd be fun. So once everyone goes, once you all go and take the quiz, these are the potential results you can get. And we're going to talk about them because that's interesting and exciting and fun. So what's the first potential archetype that someone could get from the quiz? Well, I think I like to start talking about the Stone Cold Supervisor because that celebrity kind of person that we've put with that is Miranda Priestly. And everyone's initial reaction is, I don't want to be the Miranda Priestly in the Devil Wears Prada. Like, I don't want to be that kind of manager. But it's one of my favorites because I think it gives such a good example of how you can be have really solid boundaries and really direct, really clear. Everyone knows what to expect from you. And it's it's really overlooked in that movie and in general that having this archetype is actually super beneficial to your team. So I think it gives a layer of none of these results are bad. And so I never want somebody to walk away from taking the quiz and being like, oh my God, I suck. I'm Miranda <laughs> Priestly. But, but this one is actually my, it's my favorite type of manager to coach and develop. It's my favorite type of manager to work for. Um, even though I don't necessarily fall on this scale, because when you go through a lot, especially in corporate trauma, or when you're an entrepreneur, like all we really want is clarity. And so being able to provide that to our teams is a really great benefit that a lot of managers struggle with, but the stone, stone cold supervisor doesn't. So, so their strengths are, the, are, what are the characteristics, like, what are the characteristics for this archetype? 
Yeah. So the strengths for the Stone Cold Supervisor are clear and direct, always a lot of clarity, very direct, very straightforward, probably a lot of asynchronous working. You're not kind of kikiing it up on Zoom when you have free time, really short meetings. Um, your company policies are going to be like, you have time off, you don't have time off. So your team is going to know what to expect, know how to get what they need, know what their job is and things like that. But there are going to be in each, you get a survival kit when you take the quiz, but there are going to be some ways that you can actually use your type and use your strengths to connect with people that may not naturally connect with your type. So with the Stone Cold Supervisor, you're going to hire people that are exceptional at their jobs, but they don't always get, you don't, you're not going to get the best work out of them by only being that one type of manager. You have to be able to adapt. So while a Stone Cold Supervisor might really rely on systems in their business, their Asana or ClickUp to-do lists, uh -huh. their due dates, things like that. Instead of just having it be tasks, have it be moments of connection. So either if you don't have a weekly team meeting, then a weekly 15-minute check-in where you answer three really specific questions. So that'll feel really good for the Stone Cold Supervisor because it feels like a task, but it'll also feel really good for your employee who may need a little bit more connection to your mission, um, especially if those questions that you're talking there, there's topics you're talking about are really strategically designed to help create engagement. So you're able to kind of use your type to create this clarity, but also not missing out on the connection that comes with some of the other types that aren't quite as direct and, and straightforward. Okay. I, I feel like the comparison to Miranda Priestly though, the thing about that, I feel like the reason why people might not like that is because she, you used to talk, you mentioned boundaries earlier. She just had no boundaries. So do you think it's similar with a lot of people with this archetype or are there people who fit this archetype who do have good boundaries and don't expect their people, you know, to go do these random ass tasks for them at like 10 PM? Well, to be honest, I would say that Miranda had really clear boundaries because part she of the had, people. No, she, so she had clear boundaries for herself, but she didn't have very clear boundaries in how she managed her team. Well, I should say but... she didn't respect her team's boundaries. <laughs> Well, the thing is, if you watch the movie, you'll notice that her team didn't actually have any boundaries. And so they were told what to expect and they still took the job. Yeah. So in my opinion, that is fine. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, when you're a leader, you get to be whatever kind of leader you want. Um, but the it's not. And we don't want to ever say good boundaries or bad boundaries, because there are some people that are really going to thrive in an environment where work is their whole life. So we have another part of our, our program that's coming up is figuring out your employees type as well uh -huh. um, and their employee profile. And so you're going to be able to actually see that it's not really good boundaries or bad boundaries. I would argue that Miranda Priestley, I mean, this is what it was based on is that it's not about judging someone else for the way they work or the way they communicate or, and judging is a harsh, harsh word, but more so, of course, there were things that you're like, Ooh, that's really toxic. And I didn't love that. And, if, mm -hmm. and our survival kit is going to give you like, maybe if Miranda would have read the survival kit, she would have had some, we would have gotten to a good place with her a little bit more quickly in the devil wears Prada if I had been around to help her. Sure. But in that case, I think that there's nothing wrong with expecting a lot from your team or expecting non 
traditional work environments from your team or expecting different types of work, different types of communication, as long as you're clear and straightforward about it and compensating people fairly. If that's what your business needs to get to the next level, you can ask for that. Just don't pull the rug out from under somebody when you're in a power position. I mean, when Andy showed up for her first day of work, she knew exactly what she was getting. And Emily Blunt was over there eating one block of cheese every week. Like nobody was trying to tell her that the work was any any other thing than that. So, you know, she had the full, she had the full spectrum and she still made her choice. So Miranda wasn't the villain in that movie. (laughs) You're not. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Okay. So let's get to the next archetype and let's just start with like what the characteristics of this archetype is. Yeah. So the open book boss, your characteristics are going to be very like all about the transparency. So this is the complete mirror opposite of the stone cold supervisor mirror opposite. I don't know if that's a thing, but you get it. Um, So basically you're talking full transparency, all the information, your team will know every single dollar you make. Um, A lot of it is in the interest of open communication. It's all done with the absolute best of intentions and you are going to give and give and give and give. Um, If you're the open book boss, you thrive on giving your team every possible thing that you can, whether it's support, guidance, care, money, like whatever, however that manifests with you. Um, So it's just the completely opposite side of things. The boundaries are really loose. Your team is going to on the kind of back end of it or sort of the next part of it is your team might not always have clear expectations about what it is that you expect. Some days you're going to be really open to them not responding as quickly. And some days you're going to be like, where are you? And you're going to send five slacks because you need something really urgently. Um, <laughs> and sometimes who's the, you're... like who's the um, celebrity person you put for this one? Michael Scott. Okay. So I'm not it's... like a huge office fan. Um, I just see that him as being generally chaotic. I always just see it on the background when my husband's watching it. Well, that's a good example because, because this can breed a lot of chaos if there's not a lot of structure and accountability. So uh-huh. for these leaders, you're going to find really happy and really dedicated teams for the most part, but they're also not going to tell you the truth. So they're going to leave <laughs> instead of dealing with the fact that you are you're they're seeing all this money come in and they don't understand why they're not getting a raise or you're going to kind of maybe smooth things over with humor or put it off till tomorrow, but your team may not know when they're actually going to hear back from you. Um, you're going to be the archetype you and- thought I was going to end up getting. No, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. For me, it's just interesting. Cause like I do profit reports on my podcast. So I don't think I would normally sit on a team meeting and tell my entire team, like this is every penny that hit my bank account this month, <laughs> but they do know that because I do profit. Well, presumably they could know that if they listen to the profit reports. So that's interesting. And I don't, I don't want to like, this is another thing too. And I'm, I think it'll, I'm going to make a note just in case we don't naturally get to this thing I want to touch on, but <laughs> there's a, it's not like you can be a stone cold supervisor and your team can have full transparency on your finances. This is right, just, right, right. those are just generalized. Everyone understands those examples. Um, but the main thing there, and I don't like to use boundaries that much just because I've been in therapy too long to think that they're super explanatory. It's one of those words kind of like respect that means different things to different people, but it's very transparent. It's very loosey goosey. You might get a message at three in the morning. You might get a message at 8 a.m. You might not hear from them for two days. Um, you might assign them a task and click up that a client needs support with, but they might not see it. Well, and I what, think that we all what have I'm kind this. of hearing is if the stone cold supervisor shared their numbers, 
it's probably woven into the business in a strategic manner. Whereas the open book boss, it kind of just like has no filter. And so it's maybe less intentional, the trans, the things that they're transparently sharing. And most of the things that they, the, the driving force behind the open book boss is generally being liked. And yeah. I think in, if we're going to talk about it in a way that is more critical, um, which the areas of opportunity for the open book boss are definitely going to be more, we're going to try to put in systems in their business that are going to create a little bit more structure and intentionality to use your word. So there's going to be, it's going to still feel really free and the culture is still going to feel very open and it's going to feel very, I can tell them everything if yeah. I want to, but it's also going to create space for the open book boss to walk up to their team member and say, or not walk up, but you know, zoom up <laughs> to their team <laughs> member and say, I, I need three pieces of feedback from you about things that I can do better by the end of the week. There's absolutely no repercussions. I just really want to do a better job. So they're going to call on that sensitivity and that transparency, and they're going to force their team to build a unique kind of way of trust back and forth so that they can actually get information that they need without their team being people pleasing, avoidant, yeah. um, worrying about, you never want your team to shoulder the burden of, I don't want to stress out my boss. And the open book boss may come across those situations more often than other types. Well, yeah. And I would, I would think that this would be like this kind of leadership style would be a good fit for the type of people who's, who've always just like kind of ended up being friends with their supervisors at work, if that makes sense. But maybe not as good for the people who like don't want to take work home with them like after they clock out. Does that make sense? Like I remember yeah. when I worked retail, like I was there was always like one manager that I got along with for the most part, but like the rest of them, I like did not I didn't want them to have my phone number. <laughs> like don't don't like text me. I don't want to hang out like after I leave the office. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that the, to be completely honest, I think this is the type where most entrepreneurs that are managers for the first time are going to fall usually because it's a internal reaction to corporate trauma or bad management. There's so many more bad managers than good ones. Yeah. Um, and I think for a lot of times we'll have entrepreneurs, if you get any of the other results, make sure you skim through this survival kit too, which you can see on our blog, because there is something really, we always want to draw our attention to the fact that being open, kind, and honest can be a trait and is a trait for all of these different archetypes. That's not the, you know, defining factor. Um, but there are going to be things that you're going to feel called out with, especially entrepreneurs that are trying to reject that corporate management mentality, um, that are going to kind of go overboard in this area. And so if you are identifying as an open book boss, the nice thing is that with the Stone Cold Supervisor, it's going to take a lot of work to build that openness and trust with your team through those intentional systems. But for the open book boss, it's not going to take as much work. It's probably just going to take you a few minutes of intentional conversations to build more of a two-way street of trust yeah. to help you to be a to get the benefits of being that open and transparent of a boss. You don't have to change who you are, but you just have to make sure that you're adding in systems to prevent there from being toxic flexibility which we have a whole blog about <laughs> so what yeah what this kind of has me thinking about as we go through each of these types because you know kira i'm obsessed with the enneagram right mm -hmm. and you know when you study the enneagram it tells you they have levels of health right so one mm -hmm. through ten and it basically it tells you like what a self-actualized person in this type would look like and then what a like completely chaotic sociopath would look like uh <laughs> It's true, right? And most of us are like, they say most of us are like right in the middle and we'll go down a little bit through periods of like grief, trauma, and depression. 
and in really good moments will be towards the higher end. But same thing with these archetypes. Like there's probably people who do each of these archetypes in a really healthy way and people who do them in a really unhealthy way. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, one of the characteristics of um, the open book boss is that their team will often produce really, really innovative ideas and their work is generally really high quality. But what the open book boss may be missing is they can probably get more high quality work and more innovative ideas. So you can probably get a higher ROI from your team without much effort, as long as you're drawing attention uh -huh. towards some of these things through just a little bit more structure and some really intentional conversations. Um, and there's a couple of behavior changes just in a sense of making sure that your team is never shouldering the burden of the emotions of the business, um, which can be an undue or kind of accidental effect of being so transparent. Okay. So we, we went through stone cold supervisor, open book boss. What mm -hmm. is our third archetype and what are our characteristics for that one? This is the one I thought you were going to be, um, the efficient executor. So which funny story I found last night, a typo in our survival kit that is, says that they're an efficient executioner, which is definitely not the point <laughs> of this. <laughs> Yikes. But I was like, you know what? We're just going to leave it for now. <laughs> um, but I think that, so this is like the Ron Swanson of it all. So you think that there's going to be a really like, have, did you ever watch Parks and Rec? Yeah. So it's like this really hard edge. You think everything's really straightforward, but like there's so much care and heart behind each action. And there really is a motivation for kind of a more mellow, low key, like environment for the team that isn't necessarily obvious right away because you are so much more focused on getting things done um, that it looks, it can look like you're not necessarily putting your team in a place to really excel or to have their needs looked after first. Um, but realistically, the efficient executioner, mm -hmm. <laughs> efficient executor is one of the more productive types of managers that probably will focus a lot on the things that their team is getting done. And it can, it's a really, really fair work environment. So it's going to you, when you're hiring or interviewing, if you are this type, you're going to look for people that really look for that justice in their work and maybe have been mistreated at other businesses. There's a trend that if you have somebody that's talking crap about their previous work environments or the management at their work environments, then that's a really bad thing. But that's not actually a bad thing for the efficient executor because they're creating a fair workplace by default. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that you can consider when it comes to interviewing where some other types may not work well with certain candidates or they like the open book boss would not work well with a candidate that's walking into a work environment when they already had a chaotic management experience, but they're going to do really well with an efficient executor and they're going to be create even more loyalty because they're coming from a place where they maybe didn't have the best experience, but you can be really confident that you're going to create a fair and just work environment. It's going to be really predictable and clear, but the door is a little bit cracked open for more relationships and more loyalty over time. So our efficient executors tend to have team members that never leave because they always know what to expect. They know they're going to be treated fairly. And the people that value those things are generally extremely loyal people. So when you're interviewing, if you can so capitalize on that, then you're going to end up with a team that's probably going to retain for a really long time. When you say, when you say treated fairly, like what exactly does that mean? Does it mean like, for one example, do they get to do a really good job at like, uh, enforcing KPI tracking to see that you're like properly executing on your job? 
Yeah. I mean, every business is different. So we always want to talk about this in more of like the manager versus like how it comes out in actual action. But right. if there is a situation in which the efficient executor is going to train someone, especially in the online space, they're probably you're probably going to be really excited to rely a lot on your internal SOPs and Loom videos and asynchronous communication, but you're not going to feel your team is not necessarily going to pull away from asking for additional clarification. So where you might, if you took the quiz, one of the questions kind of speaks directly to this. And that's really for figuring out which type you are in one of those situations where you're training an employee and where our efficient executioner <laughs> executors are going to be is they're going to provide kind of a basic level SOP for their team member, but their team member is also going to know that they can come and ask additional questions. So instead of an email or a message that says something along the lines of, here's an SOP, get this done deadlines tomorrow. Um, there's also going to maybe be another line in there. That's like, if you need help or support, I'm available between three and three fifteen today. So, so it's very specific, very straightforward, very fair and to the point. The efficient executor will also have looked at the person's calendar, make sure they didn't have anything on the schedule at that time before they sent over when they were available. So it's very structured and straightforward, but there also is a little bit of space for that humanity naturally. So when we're talking about how to survive as an efficient executor, we're definitely not talking about trying to to be more floofy or share more information or go against the grain of what feels naturally good for you. Yeah, That's see, where I think we don't initially want when you were talking line. about fairness, I was, I was looking at it through the lens of treating each member of your team fairly in comparison to one another. Right. So I think we've all been in a work environment before where we've known that we were not the boss's favorite. Have you ever had that, that Kira? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, you're like, why does this person get special treatment? So I was thinking, how does an efficient ex executor manage to treat everyone fairly? And then I was thinking, oh, are they looking at KPIs and things like that to actually fairly judge each of their uh, employees or contractors performance rather than, you know, letting like favoritism and things get in the way? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I think that's a part of it, but it all that kind of spans over multiple types. So it oh, wouldn't okay. be an identifying characteristic because there are three of the types would be considered very fair. Um, but I would say that when it comes to the efficient executor style of handling their team on the day-to-day, -day, the differentiator is going to be that they're going to provide space and actively seek out ways for their team to feel like things are fair and that they know where to get their information. And it is very clear and it is really predictable. Um, but yes, of course, like we always want equity and we want everyone to feel treated very well. And we don't want there to be favoritism and things like that. It hasn't, I think that for the most part, when people are coming and taking this quiz, we wanted to consider that most people that give a shit about what kind of leader they are probably are already approaching things in a way that's going to reduce favoritism. Right. Um, or at least be self-aware enough to do that. But that's actually a really, a much deeper issue than just this kind of entry-level figure out what kind of leader you are. <laughs> um, if there's favoritism and things like that, you do make a really good point in that KPIs can be a way for us to make sure that we're showing equitability and fairness across the board for our entire team. But in my opinion, that should be like the absolute bare minimum. Like you, that that's just like 
you got to just show up and do that. Like, it's not even up for discussion. Like all of these types should be doing that as just the smart way to run a business. So this is a little bit more in regards to the personality and how they're going to show up and deal yeah. with their people in a natural way. Because when what I've seen out there is the misnomers of, of then this is what I was going to kind of talk about, but I've like people, when they're talking about this role, they might be like, oh, well, I'm a lot, I didn't get that one because I'm a lot nicer to my team than I am to normal people. Ha 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 ha. And it's like, well, no one said anything about being nice. Like you could be the nicest manager in the world and you can also be the stone cold supervisor. Like right, that's but not it's also like nice thing. can mean a lot of different things and different people consider nice to mean different things. Right. So what's that yeah. expression? Firm is fair or no clear is with what am I going for here? Clear clarity is kind. Is kind. Yeah. Kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's that one, right? So yeah. one person could view someone as who, like, I would consider myself to be pretty direct and pretty blunt. And some people might find that off-putting, whereas other like people on my time on my team might be like, well, he sure is a dick, but I know what to expect. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I don't think they would actually the... say that. I do think I am like fairly nice in the in the traditional sense, but you know, it's a different nice can be different things. Yeah. And I think that when we're looking at like one of the things I hear all the time, and of course I'm not in the DMs, like, well, actually, you know, but like people are like, wow, I was really surprised that I got this result because I always think I'm a really nice boss. And it's like, okay, but you're not actually Miranda Priestly, or you're like not actually Ron Swanson. Like, it's just like, you can be the nicest boss on the, on the planet. Like people can say that you're the nicest person ever, but the way that you manage your team and the way that it feels natural to you to lean into some of these decisions are going to look a little bit different than other people. Like this yeah. isn't a, I think, and I don't know, maybe Enneagram is the same in that way. Like, it's not really telling, like no type is nice. Right. But to, like, to give it, like to give a different example. So this is a very different kind of management example, because I don't have as much management ex experience as you do, but I think I've told you before that I was an RA in college. Did you know this? Yeah. For you two years. Yeah. So we found out and our, it was funny. Our supervisors told us this, like during our orientation meeting. He said, all of you want to be the nice RAs and you want all of, we call them our residents, right? So the people live on our floor. You want all of your residents to really like you. But he said, the number one feedback we get on our end of semester results are from our RA feedback form is that the RA didn't implement enough of the rules and the floor was too chaotic. So my first year being an RA, I was pretty nice and I got mixed survey results and the second year, and when people were like, you know, causing a scene at 2 a.m., I would go and chew them out because I'm like, everyone else is trying to sleep. You need to get your ass to bed. And that year I got much better survey results because, yeah, it's like you want to be their friend, but also you can't be nice to one person at the detriment of the other 50 people like around you. So the point yeah, of that example yeah. was sometimes like being a hard ass is the nice thing to do in the broader, like in the broader picture. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, especially on my team, I tend to attract people that are genuinely bubbly. Like my team responds really well to like a chatty, you know, team meeting. Like I think that most of, I mean, I've managed a team of eight managers and directors right now, plus my team at Paradigm. And I would say they all have different personalities. They all show up as different types of managers, but they respond really well to this type of discussion where if I were to say like, listen, you don't need to be liked. Like that is a thing. Like all of them would feel like, huh. you know, like it's just something that goes against the grain. And I think as 
managers, we've just been fed all this information about what it should look like to be a manager and blah, blah, blah. And being liked is kind of the goal as the direct opposition of all the bullshit corporate management advice we've gotten. But that's not it at all. Like it doesn't, we do want to be liked, but that's less of a type and more of a culture thing. Yeah. Um. But I loved how you, that example of being an RA is such a good example. And I wish I could blow up my team and give their examples too, but maybe another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we still, we got to get through two more. And then do a little mm -hmm. bit more stuff before I have a meeting with one of your one with one of your team members, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I was like, Kira, I'm meeting with Sarah tomorrow morning, but we did get this podcast in beforehand. So, okay, let's talk about the next one. The BFF boss is our fourth archetype, right? What What are the mm -hmm. characteristics of someone who's a BFF boss? So this one was really easy to write. So this is like the Liz Lemon. Um, I toyed between having it be Liz Lemon from 30 Rock or um, uh, what's Amy Poehler's character's name on Parks and Rec? Um, Leslie No. Yeah, Leslie. Yeah, but it she wasn't really... She's not really this type, but so basically Liz Lemon, she gets a new employee. They show up. They like her immediately. They trust her immediately. She's open. She's vulnerable. She can be a little messy. You know, her, what we would may perceive as boundaries are a little, you know, floopy, a little flimsy, um, but they're really, the BFF boss is really driven by valuing team happiness and enjoyment at work, which means that most of their decisions are likely going to benefit the team even more than the clients. So they're going to build their relationships with their team, understand what they really like. They have, you usually will have an innate sense of what people really want. This isn't the type of business where your employees are going to complain because they aren't getting enough FaceTime with you or they don't feel seen or they don't feel heard. They're probably, they're not going to be the ones that are getting a pizza party when all of them are vegan. You know, you're going to know what they like. You're going to care about what they care about. Like you're going to have a little bit more of a personalized approach. Um, however, just in the way that I've described that there, I think that there's more strengths for this one. Cause they're so easy to come up with in our survival kit than any other type. But all of that is to say that with all of those strengths, there's always a little bit of a shadow side. And I don't, is that an Enneagram thing too, where you can have like, like a shadow side of your type or is that an astrology thing? Yeah. They don't call it. it that, but yeah, they call them. Um, I usually hear people refer to it as blind spots. Yeah, that's kind of like this too, because if you're thinking about it, the way that this boss is going to show up for their team is going a little bit deeper. They're going to understand them a little bit more. But if you have more than one person on your team, just giving a shit about your team at that level is basically a full-time job. So how exactly are you running the business without absolutely driving yourself into the ground and working 24 hours a day? If you're dropping everything and going and helping out your team based on how they feel or what their emotions are. So this type of leader tends to be put in a lot of really reactive scenarios where they we talk about managers are usually spending about three hours a day at, for a full-time job with a team of five or six people on things that were unexpected. So whether that's a, an issue coming in with a, with an employee that's upset or having a bad day, or, you know, there's something going on at home. I mean, we're talking about a lot of different people with a lot of different problems. And so this is the boss that's actually going to literally shut their laptop and deal with whatever it is that that person is dealing with that day, which sounds really great and altruistic, but really, Mm -mm. you just closed your laptop on your seven other team members. I'm like, so I can't it's do not, that. I ain't got time for that. 
well, that's why you didn't get this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel is, like I feel like a lot of Enneagram twos would would get this archetype. That's the helper, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And so those reactive scenarios, and you know, we talked about this a little bit in our formerly PMF, our Management Foundations program, but is now going to be called Pop People on Purpose. Stay tuned. Um, but one of the things that we talk about a lot here is that we do have a lot of managers that will show up and show up for their team this way, and they're they are really passionate about their job, and they're always going to do everything they can to create an environment where their team is going to really respect and love the job that they're doing. So there's a couple things that you can do to make sure that you're not constantly reacting to other people's stuff. Um, one of them is creating systems in your, biz- in your business to be more proactive when it comes to managing your team. So those one-on-ones, you might want to have those a little bit more often. Instead of having them every 90 days, have them every month. Um, ask questions that are more in relation to employee engagement and make sure that you're setting boundaries on the conversations so that you don't get all kind of all over the place within those timeframes. Um, set really specific times for how long your meeting is going to be with them. So one thing that I will usually tell people, it's kind of scripted, it's also in the survival kit, but this, if you have to give really direct feedback, your team is going to be caught off guard by it because you always show up in such a positive way that you have to give feedback that may hurt their feelings. It can be really hard for them to hear. So just saying something like, Hey, this may come off a little bit more harsh than I usually am. And I want you to be prepared. So here we go. And don't sugarcoat it. Just throw it out there as blunt as possible. And then you are going to have the strength, the innate strength and relationship to recover from really blunt and direct statements that other managers may not be able to make. If a stone cold supervisor made a blunt and direct statement when they don't already have that likability and trust factor with their team, then it's going to isolate their team member. And it's going to be really hard for them to recover from that type of conversation. Mm -hmm. Whereas a BFF boss can actually benefit from giving really direct and fast acting feedback that's going to improve the, the progress or the work level, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, productivity of their team really quickly, because there's not going to be a ton, even though it feels like there's going to be a ton of emotion involved. That's why they're hesitating to have those conversations, but really they're the people that are going to be out of the two types that we have left the BFF boss or your type. Those are the people that are going to be able, we want you to lean in to giving that direct feedback because you're going to get so many results so quickly. And it's going to be a lot easier for you to do that. Most of the time, what's really holding you back from getting the most from your team is not having conversations that need to be have and kind of turning a blind eye to some of those things that you're inherently going to realize is wrong. Um, so kind of detecting when those conversations need to happen and being proactive about it instead of brushing things under the rug until you absolutely have to draw on your relationship in order to get a result, which can create a situation where they're like, wait a second, you've been riding the fence this whole time. I thought I've been doing great. And meanwhile, you've been like getting all this bad feedback about me from the team. And I had no idea. So they're going to feel like the rug is pulled out from under them. And I know this because I've made this mistake. (laughs) So, you know, when when I have, I have like several follow-up questions that we could go through for this type, but I want to make sure that we have time for the most important archetype. (laughs) Okay. So should we move on to that one? Well, the last thing I want to say about the BFF boss is that one, if you get this result and you're listening to this episode, um, the biggest and best thing you can do is do what Braden said earlier, which is make sure that you have metrics for everything in your business, because 
that's going to give you data that you need in order to make informed decisions. This type needs the data so that they can help their team understand the why behind the what. But yeah, let's move on to the next one because I know how important it is to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's our final archetype and what are our characteristics for that one? Okay, so the final archetype is right in the middle of the spectrum. It's called the balanced mentor and it is Braden's type. So that's really fun. Um, and I thought he was going to be the executioner, but the executioner, but he was the balanced mentor, which after going through the other day, uh, it was really obvious that it was with the things that you resonated with and things like that. But um, one of the things that I think really jumped out at me is that the balance mentor can see all sides of a discussion. So the balance mentor, their your brain works in a way that sometimes you're not 100% sure if you're a creative type or if you're an analytical type. So if that's you, you're probably going to land somewhere in this category for being a manager. And you'll notice that that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your personality. So whether, however you process that information is sort of what this type is based on. And so you can easily see many sides of, of a story. You realize that there's always three versions of the truth, just like the real housewives, your truth, my truth, and the real truth. <laughs> um, you tend to be really great at facilitating things, collaborating. That's why you have so many podcast episodes. You can interview people, you can connect with lots of different personality types and lots of people. Um, and the really amazing thing about this type is that while our other types have benefits in regards to the quality of work, productivity, and things like that, this type is going to get a team that's pretty well balanced because you're going to be able to pull in diverse personalities. And you're also going to be able to pull out really great ideas and high, high level work from your team. So when they're, you're not afraid to give that direct feedback if you have to, even though it may not be your favorite thing. Um, but you have lots of different interests and lots of personalities pulling you in different ways. So you actually do need to spend a little bit more time on your management skills because you have to be, you've drawn in different personalities that need different things where other management types might have repelled those personality types automatically, but you're going to have more variety on your team. So you actually need to be able to manage a lot of different types of people because they're not going to weed themselves out because you can connect with so many different types. So it's kind of in a way, the type that we think needs the most management education, you need to have a really solid group of CEOs or fellow managers that you can collaborate with, that you can talk through things with. Um, and you have to be able to have conversations that might make you feel kind of bad sometimes um, because this type will be accused of riding the fence. So not making a decision or giving unclear directions because they're considering so many different styles and personality types. And as a CEO, especially as an entrepreneur, that's a leader that is this type, we have to kind of be forced to make decisions, which is why I think this works really well for you, Braden, because you are a really high quick start. So if you're a lower quick start on the Colby and you're a balanced mentor, then you might be in a in a homeostasis state all the time with your team where you're not actually pushing much forward because you're really enjoying the different sides of the discussion and the possibilities instead of actually taking action on what could be really amazing ideas that you're pulling out of your team that not a lot of other managers can do. I think most of my team would tell you that I'm too much of a quick start and that they, we should take more time to consider our options. That might be the case, but I'm not here to talk about Colby. <laughs> <laughs> A different, a different podcast episode, perhaps for mm -hmm. that one. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting as Emily listens to this podcast episode to write the show notes. She'll have to, <laughs> Emily, you'll have to, you'll have to let us know if this feels accurate as my leader archetype. 
We'll yeah, see. I mean, I mean, I could talk about the quick start all day because I'm also a very high quick start and I've had team members that were really low quick starts. I've had yeah. a team chemistry, which is one of the things that we talk about in our course that'll come out in June um, that is all about kind of trying to navigate between different types of workers working together that approach problems in different ways. Or if you're kind of if you're collaborating with another boss that is a different type. You may be, want to be really careful about the advice that you're giving because you're going to affect the way that they're going to come show up as their team, show up to their team with the advice that you're giving them, not just you in particular, but any, if they're, if you're two different types with somebody, they're going to show up to their team and offer, you know, a solution or whatever that you gave them. And the team is going to, it's going to erode trust because that's not who they are. That's not their voice. So like, for example, if you were to show up and you know, your type tends to be brutally honest, but you can recover so quickly because your team knows that you're always kind of towing the line of what's best for the business and what's best for them. And you're not going to dive too much into their personal stuff. You're going to allow them to have that space outside of work, which creates really solid boundaries between work and life. Um, so you're going to, but then you're not going to have team team members that are necessarily going to go way over and above, or they're going to, they're not going to come to you and tell you when they have really, really great ideas at times. So going out of your way to actually create spaces where they can bring you those exceptional ideas or facilitate their minds into thinking about being proactive and coming up with new ideas, like don't leave them behind because they probably have those there. Like Emily probably has great ideas that if she had a space, and I think you guys, you do this pretty well anyway, but all of your team members know so much about your business because you have those, that good communication style and you've spent time helping them understand different things that there's going to be some things that you're going to be able to pull out of yeah. them that other managers wouldn't, but they're often waiting for you to bring it up to them. And, we'll and yeah, they're maybe we'll, not going we'll to come up to you the way that an open book boss or a BFF boss might kind of create that space naturally. So you have to kind of like make sure you're you're putting that in there and allowing that space and time and not rushing them off or, you know, anything like that. Okay, Emily, we're we're waiting to hear all those good ideas anytime. <laughs> Voxer those right on over. No, we Emily, that. she's like, oh, not another Kira podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know the first time you were on, she thought she was getting fired. So that was fun. I know. Um because yeah, you told me like I probably ago. Needed, look at us yeah. now. Because you told me I probably needed to eliminate positions in the business. And she ended up getting uh, hired and given more hours. So everyone wins. All right, Kira, <laughs> we got to start to wrap this thing up. So tell people they need to go take the quiz. Link again in show notes. What next? What's happening? What do you got going on? Well, depending on when this airs, on the 31st uh, it's of gonna May. Air tomorrow. It's going to air tomorrow. Oh, okay, great. Um, So next week we are going, once you take the quiz, you'll hear about it in your email. Um, But next week we're going to be announcing a workshop coming up that's going to dive a little bit more into how to detect when you're going to have to have those, that sounded weird, have to have um, those conversations um, before they need to happen so that you can actually bring your quiz results to our workshop and essentially get really personalized advice for each type based on some little things that you can do to manage your team now. Or if you're hiring, there's so much that you need to bring to your interviews based on the type that you are. Um, this is why I hate kind of like that blanket advice out there. So make sure that when you do come to that workshop, bring those, those questions with you for whatever phase of business that you're in, whether you're just now hiring, starting to get contractors, building your company culture. Um, the type really does, especially if you're an entrepreneur, 
the type is going to indicate the culture of your entire company. So you having a really good grasp on that is also going to help you decide what your company policy policies should be that feel really easy and seamless and they make perfect sense to you and um, that you can stand up for them and, you know, advocate for your people and all of that good stuff. So I can't wait to announce the workshop. I'm still trying to figure out the name. We'll work tackling, tackling something or confidence, something. I don't know. It's going to yeah. be fun. We'll, we'll work. <laughs> we'll workshop it in the DMS. Okay. So final question before I got to go refill my coffee to meet with Sarah. But before I do that, uh, <laughs> before I do that, Kira, um, as my listeners know, I have a Facebook group, Braden's besties. If they want to be one of my besties, they should go join. What should people do if they want to be one of Kira's besties? Aside from, you know, take the quiz and attend the workshop. I mean, that'll be fun. But um, I mean, well, Instagram is always really fun. So you can come on there and and follow along. And we generally give a lot of weird advice and really specific um, information based on team stuff and HR compliance. And I rant about things like Vanderpump Rules occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so Instagram's where I would say to end up. But especially if you're on our email list, that's where we send all the good stuff. So. All right. Beautiful. Okay, Kira, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) Hey there. Before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.